You're listening to a training center resource from St. Bart's. To find out more about our church or to take a next step, visit stbarts.com.au. Series overview for the fruit of the Spirit and the character of Jesus. Introduction and overview. In John Owen's classic Communion with God, he delights that there are two types of grace that Christians can enjoy because of Jesus. First, there is a personal grace relating to who Jesus is. Second, there is a purchase grace made available to us through Jesus' death and resurrection. Owen highlights that part of the grace that Jesus has purchased for us also means that he gives every Christian his spirit to come alongside us, comfort us, teach us, point us to Jesus, and be at work transforming us into the very likeness of Jesus. Incredibly, part of experiencing God's grace is through the gift of his spirit who is at work transforming us to be Jesus-shaped. In this series, we'll take a deeper look at some aspects of the fruit of the spirit, by first considering the very character of Jesus. Galatians 5, verses 22 to 25. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. In Galatians chapter 5, that work of transformation involves a taking off of the sinful things that stifle and oppose Christ-likeness. For example, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like, and a putting on or a keeping in step with the things which reflect the very nature of Christ himself, that is love, joy, peace, forbearance, or patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit is not about our performance, but the kind of person we are and are becoming. It's important to know that Paul doesn't speak of fruits of the Spirit as plural, but fruit, singular. That is, the fruit is a package deal. The fruit of the Spirit has many dimensions, but these aspects go together to reflect the transforming and experiential work of the Spirit in us. Yet, even though these are one fruit in a real sense, It's also evident that we don't always reflect all aspects equally. During this series, we'll consider three aspects of the fruit, patience, gentleness, and joy, by delighting in the very character of Jesus. Outline. Week 1, the patience of Jesus, John chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. Week 2, the gentleness of Jesus, John chapter 8, verses 2 to 11. Week 3, the joy of Jesus, John chapter 16, verses 19 to 24. For more resources from the series, including sermons, small group material, and children's curriculum, visit our website and the resources section. Week 1, The Patience of Jesus. John chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Jesus demonstrated extraordinary patience in the day-to-day and across his life. Not only did Jesus show patience with those whom he discipled, to those whom he ministered, the circumstances he encountered, but also in the bigger picture of his part in God's mission. Jesus lived and worked in relative obscurity for 30 years before bursting onto the public scene, only then to show continuous restraint in order to observe God's timing in his life. Throughout John's Gospel, we are reminded over and over again that his time had not yet come. The hour of glorification comes only in the Garden of Gethsemane, as he prepares to drink the cup that is prepared for him. It's this hour that Jesus points to at the wedding of Cana when the unthinkable happens, the run out of wine. 
This is not the Australian equivalent of a pub without beer, but a social catastrophe in an ancient setting which prized hospitality. Despite Jesus not being the host, Mary knows that he can do something, perhaps thinking that this was the moment for Jesus to be glorified. Yet even as he spectacularly resolves the wine faux pas, Jesus is clear that this is not his moment of glorification, but a sign pointing to his death, resurrection and ascension. Jesus was phenomenally patient. In an impatient world, we need patience. We need long-suffering like this. How we needed Jesus-shaped, spirit-shaped patience characterised by a long vision, trusting in God's purposes, and a present clarity, trusting in God's timing. Patience is not holding your breath and wait, but breathing calmly in confidence that God is and will work out his plans. Patience is not born instantly, but by looking to Jesus, cooperating with the Spirit, and responding to God's invitation to practice keeping in step with his purposes and timing. Some questions to consider. When was Jesus patient with his disciples, other people, and his circumstances? How did Jesus' closest friends and family often want him to expedite God's plans for him? Why did Mary go to Jesus? What did Jesus mean by my hour has not yet come? When do you find patience difficult? How might a present clarity, trusting in God's timing, and a long vision, trusting in God's purposes, help? When has God been patient with you? Week 2. The Gentleness of Jesus. John chapter 8, verses 2 to 11. Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. The ancient world was often a brutal one in which force was the mechanism of choice. Of course, our world often knows little of gentleness. We live in a competitive culture in which we're often coaxed and encouraged to vie for our own interests regardless of the cost. If we deem that the end is merited, then often any means is warranted. However, the way of the Spirit, the way of Jesus, is one that chooses a lowly gentle expression of power. Whilst we don't know the circumstances of the woman, and there could be many extenuating details that Jesus knew about, we do know that the teachers of the law and the Pharisees seized this as an ideal opportunity to entrap Jesus, hence their forceful approach. The punishment for adultery was clear according to the law Moses commanded. However, Jesus won't succumb to their trap. Instead, he gently shows them that no one is fit to condemn the woman because none of them is without sin. Note that Jesus wasn't condoning ignoring the sin, commanding her to go now and leave your life of sin, but demonstrating that we all share the same desperate need for grace. We need the type of response from God, the only one ultimately worthy to be judged, willing to withhold the full and proper force of judgment, only made possible because he has carried the full force of sin and evil, even death, on himself. When we look within, we'll find no source of grace. But when we go to Jesus, we can be assured of gentleness because he's carried the cost. If God is so gentle with us, how much more should we, in great humility, be gentle? Some questions to consider. How is this passage a beautiful example of Jesus' gentleness? What are some other examples? In what ways does our culture and world prefer force over gentleness? When do you find it challenging to demonstrate gentleness? How can you respond to the spirit at work in your life so that your gentleness might witness God's gentle grace? 
Week 3, The Joy of Jesus, John chapter 16, verses 19 to 24. Jesus said to them, Are you asking one another what I meant when I said, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. For some peculiar reason, I rarely bring to mind times when Jesus was joyful. Forgiving, gentle, patient, kind, compassionate, loving, yes, but joyful, usually not. Of course, this is not because Jesus wasn't or isn't joyful. He knew and knows perfect joy, even as he endured the cross. See, for example, Hebrews chapter 12. But likely because of a tendency to think about joy in a distorted way. Joy is not a frenetic type of happy outward exuberance, but a pervading contentment and delight in who God is, what he has done, and what he's promised to do. There's a reason why peace and joy often appear as a pair throughout the New Testament. God delights joyfully when sinners come to him, and longs that we would know his joy, a joy that is complete and cannot be taken away. That means that it's in God we find the type of joy that can transcend our circumstances, for it is a joy anchored in the certainty of what truly lasts. As Jesus' disciples were filled with grief, he promises them that this grief would soon give way to joy. In fact, Jesus says that it was only through his going that a true type of joy would be made possible. Jesus' death and resurrection gave birth to a new and lasting future. How can we possibly know this joy? By trusting in Jesus and receiving the gift of the Spirit. The Spirit, who is alive in every Christian, nurtures joy in us as he points us to delight in Jesus, whilst at the same time experiencing the certainty of relationship with God today. Some questions to consider. Can you think of examples in which Jesus expressed joy? Consider Luke chapter 10 verse 21. How can this point to the source and cause of our joy? How is joy different from happiness? How have you known this in your life? What are ways that help you to actively experience the joy of Jesus? This has been a podcast from St. Bart's. To learn more or to take a next step, visit stbarts.com.au.